told you a little bit ago as we were receiving offering and communion we're going to talk about love this morning we can go ahead and put our title up if we have that ready in the back the title of this morning's message is life in love life in love now if you were with us last week you know we talked about love just a little bit and we talked about diversity and unity and how in order to have unity love is a necessity and I, I tell you I just couldn't get away from that this week I kept coming back in prayer and study to this topic of love and so I knew this is what I was to preach on life in love you know I wanted to start this morning by telling you a story it was something that was brought to my memory um, just recently actually but when I was about eight years old I can remember going to a Wednesday night service at our church and I was in the car riding with my mom and we were just talking about life the way moms and their sons do I'm eight years old and I was talking to mom about this feeling I had on the inside of me I said mom I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. I think I had watched a movie. I go, Mom, I'm in love. And she said, oh, really? And I, I named the girl that I felt like I was in love with, an older woman by about six years in our youth group that I thought was just the finest lady that God could have brought to me, okay? And so at the time, I'm saying, Mom, I'm in love. Eight years old. Yeah. She goes, really? Love, huh? I said, yeah, Mom, I'm in love. I know it is. I'm, I'm going to marry her one day, and we're in love. She just didn't know it yet. And so I'm here riding in this car to church on a Wednesday night, in love, eight years old. Things are looking good, and my mom shatters my idea of love. She goes, really, love, huh? She said, let me ask you a few questions about your love for this young lady. She says, are you ready to provide for her? Are you ready to protect her? Are you ready to be there for her? Are you ready to be there to lead her spiritually? Are you ready to be there to pray with her and, and support her when she's going through difficult things? And I said, mom, stop. I'm just talking about love here, okay? Not all that business. <laughs> said, I don't know what you're going on about. I, I, I love her. That's it, okay? I don't know about all this. I just love her, all right? I just love her is all. As I was thinking about this story recently, and I was getting ready for this message today, I realized this, love is not what the world says it is. Love is not what the world says it is. Love is not something reserved only to be given to spouses or children and felt when you have a family. It's not only something meant to be played out in movies. It's not only something to be talked about at marriage conferences or during the month of February. Love is something so much greater, so much bigger, and so much more powerful than all of that. And I'm going to go ahead and switch over my mic. I just realized I'm still talking with the handheld. Love is something different than what the world says love is. I believe this. Love is possibly the most regularly mischaracterized quality of Christ and what the world does unfortunately when they mischaracterize love is they cheapen it down into something that it really is not they take this this grand idea uh, truly what love is God's kind of love they take real love and condense it down into this butterfly feeling that you get on the inside it's something to be felt it's something to search for and try to find love by the world standard is, is much cheaper than love of the Bible. The real kind of love. You know, Jesus spoke about love. He said that love is both the greatest and the second greatest commandment. Love is the force 
motivating each one of God's promises. Love is something meant to be lived out every single day of our life, not just something expressed or felt a couple times a year or with a certain kind of person. Love is so much greater than what we've been told it is. Don't you hate that when you find out what everybody's been telling you was wrong? Me too. And so I, I was confronted with that. I'm thinking back, you know, this story of me as an eight-year-old. This is probably the first time I can remember being confronted with a revelation of what love really is. And it's not what I thought. Love isn't about what I feel right here. Love is something so much bigger. Love is something so much greater. And 1 Thessalonians 3.11, the first scripture I'd like us to read this morning, is a prayer Paul prays about love. Starting in verse 11, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. He's praying to the church and saying, I, I'm praying that God's going to bring us back to minister and be with you again. He says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. This is such a powerful prayer in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12. He says, may God make you increase and abound in love. Unfortunately, this is something that it'd be easy to, to mischaracterize, to kind of twist around and say, oh, we're praying that God's going to make you feel loving on the inside. Or we're praying that, you know, you're going to feel a greater amount of love. It's, this this feeling's going to abound in you, but I don't believe that that's at all what Paul was praying about here. I don't believe at all that that's the intention of, of God's love operating in the church. You know what's so powerful about this? He says, may God, first of all, bring us back to you. And this is because of the love that they shared for them. But he also says, make, he make you increase and abound in love. This tells me a couple of things. Number one, I'm going to be able to increase in love. This is a prayer that can, I can pray over my church and my church family. I can pray this even for myself and say, God, I pray that you would make me increase in love. We're going to talk about how we're made to increase in love. But let me tell you this. You've always got room to grow in love. Amen. Not the feeling kind, but the real kind. You can always grow greater in the real kind of love because we have not yet made it to heaven, and totally shed all of our flesh. You know, one of the things about love is you kind of have to take your flesh out in order to love the real way. And this is what's so confusing about it, I think, for some people is um, when, when I'm talking about love in the world sense, it has a lot to do with my flesh. It has a lot to do with how I feel about someone, if they make me feel nice on the inside. But in, in Christ, love is something that goes much deeper. It's a, it's a real and spiritual thing that is able to increase over time. We're going to see how it increases here in a moment. And then the second word he uses here is, may God make you abound in love. This word abound, it means to exist in large amounts. Some definitions even say to overflow out of you. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about the overflow. Right? Letting the Holy Spirit overflow out of your life. God wants the same thing for our love. That it would be built up and increased so much so that it spills out of us. This word challenged me as I read this prayer that Paul prays here. And, and I thought to myself, well, I probably need to be praying this for myself. Because there are some days that love isn't exactly what's spilling out of me. And I thought, why is that? Why are there days where I'm, it's easy to love and, and it's just what comes out? And then there's days where it's not so much. Why is that? Well, number one, I need to increase 
because my love tank is running low. I think sometimes we, we get into this a situation where, you know, I need more love just to be full myself, much less to be able to pour out over others. And in order to live that kind of life of overflowing love, we have to increase in it continually. How are we supposed to increase in love? What is the way that we increase? You know, I pray this, First Thessalonians, this is kind of my, my prayer and one of the main things I hope this message accomplishes today is that we would increase and abound in love. Hallelujah. Amen. I and you, I hope our church family, we want to be a place that is always increasing and always pouring out, overflowing in love. And how that happens, he says, may God make you increase. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. And before we go on to the next point, I think it's important to mention, too, that this love isn't just for each other. It's not just for my family. It's, it's for us and it's for all. Love is not something meant to be contained. Love is something meant to be poured. Love ought to spill out of the church, not be held within it. Amen. The world needs this kind of love poured out upon it because what we're going to see today is what they're holding on to as love isn't the real thing. How do we increase? How, how may God make us increase and abound in love? I believe this is the answer. Uh, scripture in Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I believe that anything we're going to receive from God takes faith. You have to have faith to receive. You have to believe that it's coming to you in order to receive it. Well, that's called faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so if our faith in God's love coming into my life, if my faith in increasing love is going to be built up, I have to hear more word about love. That's how it's going to be built up in me. If I'm feeling low on something, the answer is to go to the word. Hear the word of God, because that's what's going to build my faith up. 1 John 4, 16 in the Amplified Version says this, kind of a, a supporting scripture to what we just read. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observing and experience and believe. We adhere to, put faith and rely on the love of God. Cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God and God dwells and continues in him. What does this mean? If we're to be built up, increase and abound in love, we have to get into love in the word. This is where we're going to find ourselves by God increasing because the truth is that God is the word. And so as we go and we live in the word, we are living in him and it's building up in us. This is how it works. Amen. So as we go to the Word, our faith, our love is built up. This is how the prayer of 1 Thessalonians is answered is by going to the Word. I mean, Paul probably could have written that even and said, you know, I pray that you would be in the Word on love. And, this, and, and I'm not, I don't want to mischaracterize what he said, but based on what I see in the Word and how faith comes and how when we dwell in God, dwell in His Word, live in a place of receiving this, it's going to be built up in us. It's going to get to a place of abounding where it pours out of us. It could have been phrased, get in the Word on love that it might pour out of you. This is what I see we need for today. Let's talk a little bit 
about the kinds of love. I, I believe that as we go through the word today and look at God's love, and this is really what we're celebrating this morning and thanking God for, is the amazing kind of love, a real kind of love that's unlike anything spoken about in the world. Let's look at some of the reasons God's love is so different than any other kind of love. Romans 8, 38 and 39, the first kind of point we have this morning is that God's love is completely unwavering. God's love is completely unfailing. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. A couple of things we see in this. Number one, Jesus Christ, that's where love is. Love is in Christ. And so as we receive him, as we get unified, you know, we just talked about that in communion a minute ago, how we are becoming one with Jesus as we receive him into our life. As we become one with him, we enter into love. It shouldn't be something I have to receive separately from God. It should just be part of coming into union with Christ. As I come in to a relationship with Jesus, I am coming into love. Whether I realize it or not is a different issue. And this is why we go to the Word to get our faith built up. Because I might not be aware of what I'm in right now, but as I go to the Word, I can identify what it is I have in Christ. You know that. It's kind of like, I like walking around in the woods. Sometimes you can be walking and you see plants all around you, but you don't know what kind of plant you're walking in. I've gotten into some really bad poison ivy that way before. You want to know what you're in. And life in Jesus is a lot better than walking in poison ivy. But let me tell you, to know what you're in is going to tell you what you have. When you realize, I, I am walking in the love of Christ, you're going to walk different. Poison ivy is actually a pretty good example. Because if I know what I'm in, I'm going to walk different. I'm not going to approach it. I'm not going to move through life in this place the same way. I'm going to change the way I live, change the way I walk, because I'm aware of what's surrounding me. I'm aware of what I'm in. Well, as we go to the Word and our faith is built up that we are in the love of God, we're going to find ourselves walking different because we're aware of what we're in. The unwavering, unfailing love of God. The reason this love is unwavering and unfailing is because that is who Christ is. That's who Jesus is. You know what's so incredible, and it really makes it easy to understand love, is you, you can place love into a scripture where you're talking about Jesus. You, you could substitute Jesus' name with love, and it would fit because love is in him. So as, as Jesus died, love was sacrificed on the cross. God's love was sacrificed for you. God's love made a way for you. By God's love, the gift of grace was brought to you. This is why the love of God is inseparable, because Jesus is inseparable from us. That's good news, that we cannot be separated from Jesus. He bought us. We're His. So we're not going to be pulled away. The only thing that could have separated us was death. And He handled that. He took care of the one thing that could separate us from Him, and so now we're inseparable. And because we're inseparable from Christ, we're also inseparable from His love. 
This is the first quality of God's real love for us that's different than our love for anything or anyone else. You know, the love we might find on earth is separable. You know, I was thinking about my mom again, okay? And I was thinking about, you know, I know she loves me. I know she cares for me, but there is a separation of of her love in a sense. You know, right now, she's not here with me. Though I I know she loves me, I have a a confidence in her love for me. I I have a memory of, of love acting out in my life. Right now, in this moment, unless she starts texting me, I'm not present in her love. The love hasn't left necessarily, but I, I am separated from it in a sense. With God, it's not that way because you, Christ is with you all the time. Yeah. So it's different. Even the best kind of love that you could find in the world, you're going to be separated from it at some point in time. There's going to be some point where it can't be present in your life to act out and help you. But in Christ, it's never gone. It's constantly present, constantly able to be drawn upon, called upon. Good news. It's a good kind of love. It's an unfailing, unwavering kind of love, unlike anything else. You know, you can hear this from people. I love you, man. I love you, late. I don't know. What do women say? I love you, woman. I don't know. (laughs) I love you. And, And my love for you might be present right here and now, but when we leave... My love comes with me because it's contained to me. My love goes where I go. And so if I'm not there, my love's not there. Well, Christ is always with us. And because he's always with us, his love is always with us. Amen. The gift of God's grace and salvation was prompted by his love. You know, this is another thing that we're going to find about God's love. that You probably don't hear this all the time, that it, it was because of his love that we got the greatest gift ever given. Uh, Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, love is why God gave us the gift of grace. I'd be so bold to say it this way, without the love of God, we would not have the grace of God. Hello? Without the love of God, we would not have the grace of God. We would not have the gift of God. We would not have the assurance of salvation that we receive in Jesus' name because it wouldn't have been sent. It wouldn't have been given had love not been present. So powerful, this kind of love. You know, the, the, the best way we could put this in terms of what we see and understand in the world is a parent who gives their child presents because they love them. Even there, though, there, there is contingency. I mean, I can remember one or two times being threatened with losing a present if I was not good. I don't know if anybody else has ever had that circumstance. In God, there's none of that because He gave it to us before we were even around yeah. to do something about it. It's, it's totally not dependent on you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's good news too. But let me, let me just say it. There is no other kind of love in the world that is not somewhat dependent on you. There is no other love that is truly present before you're even in existence. God's love is so different in this way that it gave to us before we were even around to be given to. 
God's grace is something that we receive by His love. We all know that grace is a wonderful thing. Amen? Praise God for His grace. But I praise Him for His love because without the love, there wouldn't be the grace. Without the love, there wouldn't be the gift. Love is so important to recognize and to praise God for. I think part of the reason, I feel like part of the reason God put this on my heart is that, and and I even noticed it today as I was singing praise and worship, I think sometimes because of the way our society talks about love, we can become numb to love. We can become numb to what real love really is. Because we're so used to seeing and and being kind of pushed with, with the the imitation kind, the cheap kind, that goes in and out of life like no big deal, we become numb to it. It, it, It's not as, maybe, it's still as powerful, but we maybe don't recognize the power of it. I believe it's so important that we realize this and talk about it in church, how powerful the real love of God is, that it is unlike any other kind. Because then when I'm singing... Jesus, thank you for your love in my life. I'm not thinking about, you know, some girl I thought I loved when I was eight years old and what that kind of feeling was like. I'm thinking about the gift of grace. I'm talking about relationship with him. The fact that he's always present with me. The fact that he's given me everything I need. for that He gave his body and blood for me. Amen. That's the kind of love I'm looking at. That's the kind of love I'm aware of. It's a much better love. It makes it easy to praise God when you know His love for you. Amen? Amen. And so we look at His love. Real love. And we're going to come back to some of the ways that that God's love and, and the love we see talked about in the world is different. But real love is only present in Christ. This is kind of a challenging thought too. Is is Real love is only present in Christ. Real love... For people, for me to really love, I have to know Jesus. Let's read 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. This would ruffle some people's feathers. To say, nobody who does not know Jesus... I think I'm, I'm getting the wording mixed up here a little bit. Without Jesus, nobody can love. Without Jesus and knowing Him and being in Him, it's impossible to love. That means this quality of real love is something, you know, I, I don't know the number of believers in the world right now, but it's small compared to how many people are in the world. All those people that don't know Jesus don't know how to love. And that's why the world's so bad right now. (laughs) Because they don't know how to love. You hear people talk about it. You hear people say we need to love each other. But it's not the real thing. It's the imitation. Humanized humanity-ized version, world-influenced version of what God's glorious plan for love really looked like. So, you know, you may come up to this question reading the scripture, how can there be so many loving non-believers? Well, the answer is this, it's not real love. It's easy to say love. It's hard to live love. 
Live in love. Life in love is something only possible, only available in Christ. Let's look at a few of the ways that love in Christ is different than love in the world. We'll see through Scripture that there, there are some big differences from the love we see presented in the world today and what love according to the Word of God and according to Jesus really looks like. Romans 12, verse 10, the first one is this. Love and, and respect, the way that these two things relate, are different in the Word than what the world would say about it. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. He's talking about how you have brotherly love. What is one of the things contained within my love? Well, it says in honor, giving preference to one another. Honor means to highly respect. It means to have regard for your feelings, to care about you, to care about your wishes, your rights. It means if I, if I respect you, if I honor you, I really, I really care about you. I'm going to live different based on what you say. Unfortunately, the world's version of this Changes it where respect and love are separated. You know, in the world, you can say, oh, I love you and have absolutely no respect for the person. In the kingdom of God, that's not the case. In, in Christ, in God's kind of real love, respect and love, they go together. If I'm going to love you, I have to have honor for you. I have to have a level of respect for you. You know, and, and I'm just saying, we see it in the world where people, you know, they say, I love you to their spouse, but maybe they don't respect them at all. But then they go to work, and oh, I respect my boss, but I have you know, no love for him. I hate that person. This is what we see out there. It's, it's a twisted version. No wonder people don't know how to love. Because they're not getting the real kind. Let's look at another way love in God's way is different from the world's way. Is everybody ready for this one? This might step on a toe or two. Discipline. Love and discipline. This is something that the world doesn't get about love. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And everybody who got spanked when they were a kid said, Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was well loved as a child, okay? <laughs> I hit enough spoons to prove it. <laughs> Listen, I, I had wonderful parents. And I can look back now and I recognize that moments of discipline were moments of love. My, my dad used to say to me, I said this at men's group just the other day, I said, um, my dad, when, when he would have to discipline me, he'd always say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'd say, no, it doesn't. <laughs> hurts me a lot more. But now I get it. I'm looking back and I see why that was an act of love in my life. You know, the word discipline, unfortunately, I think this is kind of another one of the things that gets twisted. It gets misunderstood by the world. Discipline is not just about punishment and pain. Discipline is about training. It's about establishing the proper habits. It's, it's about establishing a way to live that is, is full of life. You know, I always said it this way. When a kid puts their hand on the stove... You tell them not to do that because you don't want them to hurt themselves. That's discipline. Whether you give them a spanking or not, you're training them not to do that thing because it's not beneficial to them. This is what discipline really looks like. It's loving someone enough to step up and say, hey, that's wrong. Doing that is going to hurt you, and I love you enough to get in the way of that happening. 
I love you enough to communicate a message that will hopefully help you in the long run, even though it hurts today. This is what discipline's really about. It's not about taking out frustration. It's not about inflicting pain. It's about training. You know, in fact, we just talk about the word discipline in and of itself. You know, if you've ever studied like practices, like they talk about, you know, musically, there's disciplines to music. As you train, or, or I know like Jake Keller, he does jujitsu. I don't know if they say it this way, but that's a discipline. To learn that skill, to be able to practice it and do it successfully, it's a discipline. My parents used to say, you have to be disciplined in practicing your scales. I mean, we weren't talking about spankings. We weren't talking about pain or anything. It was about learning how to do something the right way. Discipline is about teaching. And love teaches. Love disciplines for the benefit of the one that, that needs to learn. And along with discipline, talking about you know, the corrective aspect of it and, and bringing people out of the wrong thing into the right thing, we can see in Isaiah 30, 18, another quality of our God is that He loves justice. I believe part of love is, is moving towards what is just. Therefore, the Lord will wait that He may be gracious to you and therefore He will be exalted. I mean, he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for Him. What is discipline all about? It's about moving you from injustice to justice. It's about moving you to the, the place of, of you know, morality, to the place of, of life behaviors, the things we do and don't do, to be in a just place. Because that's what God loves. He loves what is just. He loves what is right. He is a just God. And you know, this is why one day there's going to come a judgment day because he's just. It's not because he hates half the world's population and wants to send them to hell. It's because he loves justice. He loves us so much, he made a way out of the judgment we deserved. He made a way to rightly and justly get us out because he loves us so much. But he is not going to corrupt what is just or he would not be a good God. To go back on justice is a behavior of evil. And we know God's not evil. He's a good God, so he can't back out on justice. It's not in his nature. He loves justice because it's what's right. Discipline is all about learning to live in a just way. Learning what's right and not right, what's beneficial and not beneficial, learning about the difference between death and life, flesh and spirit. This is what discipline is about. And love disciplines because love wants to see the best for a person. Amen? The difficult thing is when we talk about the feeling kind of love, if it doesn't feel good, then it's not love. Discipline doesn't feel good in the moment. It doesn't. That's why kids scream when they're about to get spanked. That's why we cry when we go in time out. That's when you and I talk to our boss and they tell us we need to do something different. Maybe we aren't happy about that conversation. Well, it's because discipline doesn't feel good in the moment. But in the long run, it's so much better for us. It's course correction. It's a good thing. It's, it's something that someone who loves us would do. And so love and discipline... While the world may say that they're separate, you know, yeah, someone might have to discipline, but someone needs to love them too. It's the same thing. Love and discipline go together. They're not separate. Amen. Discipline and justice, kind of my last little line on this. Discipline and justice 
are not qualities of a mean, angry, or malicious person. They are qualities of love. Justice and discipline are qualities of love. Let's look at truth. How love and truth, the God kind, the real kind of love and truth go together. This, this kind of goes right along with discipline because sometimes discipline involves a little bit of truth and sometimes the truth doesn't feel good when it comes up. Ephesians 4.15 But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Love and truth go together. It says speaking the truth in love. I see kind of... Two things we need to, we, we could actually say truth in love, and it could mean kind of two things for this morning's lesson, okay? The first thing is this, number one, the truth is something that is found in love, okay? If you love someone, you're going to be honest with them. If you love someone, you'll tell them the truth. This is different than what the world says, Right? This is, this is where if you're like watching a comedy, they're gonna, the, the wife's going to come out and be like, Does, do I look good in this dress? And the husband's going to be like, oh yeah, definitely. And then the joke is like, he's not telling the truth. That's not loving. Love wants the best for someone. It's like, it, and I actually, I, I was thinking about this too, like, moms, some, I don't know why I keep talking about my mom. She was a great mom, okay? Moms help you dress sometimes. So we, we had a, uh, I was meeting with some people last night and I, I have a, an issue with some colors, okay? I, I can't see certain colors real clearly and real well. And so one of the people I was eating with, they said, well, Pastor Isaac, did your mom help you pick out clothes then? And I said, yes, she did. <laughs> you want to know why I, I can dress well? It's because my mom helped me pick out clothes. She loved me enough to say, Isaac, that doesn't look good. <laughs> right? Love wants the best for someone. I want you to look your best. I want you to sound your best. I want you to do your best. And if I'm being honest with you, I have to tell you when it's not the best. That's truth in love. The other part of that is you have to speak the truth in a loving way. <laughs> the, the telling the truth ought to be motivated by love and not wanting to hurt someone. This is another thing that, like, you got to get it right, because there are plenty of people out there that would say, oh, I just tell people the way it is. No, you just hurt people's feelings. You, like, it's obvious you don't care about them. You're just using a, a truth to hurt someone. There is a loving way to present the truth to people. And this is what real love in God looks like, is I'm willing to tell you the truth because I care about you. Not because I want to hurt you, but because I care about you. And there's a way to express that to people. Unfortunately, this is separate from the, the kind of love we see in the world. That it's, it's all about the feeling. It's all about wanting things to seem great, seem okay, seem like, you know, I have this great feeling. They always tell me just the nicest things. Well, that's wonderful. Compliments are a good thing. But I want someone on my team, I want someone in my life who's willing to tell me the truth, too. I want to know when things could be better. I want to know if there's something that I'm not seeing that needs to change. Truth in love is a part of God's love. Fear is another thing. We're going to go to 1 John 4.18. And one more thought on love as, as you turn to 1 John 4. Um, this is what the Word's all about too. The Word is absolutely truth in love. I don't know if you've ever read the word and like felt corrected or checked in some way. I have. That's truth in love. That's the love of God in operation. So much so that God would tell you when you're doing something that's not right. 
So much so that he would reveal to you, I need to stop this because it's leading me somewhere I don't want to go. This is in the long run going to hurt me and I want to stop it. That's God's love in operation. So it's not just something we're supposed to do, it's something he does with us. Amen. These are all things, all these differences in love, these are all things God practices with you and I. Let's go to 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This is another one of the things about the way love sounds, kind of like truth, right? That's the way it sounds. It's going to be true, okay? One of the other things about the way love is going to sound in your life, real love, is it's not going to be motivating fear. It's not going to be building fear in you. You know, even things that are true, that seem intimidating, when they're spoken about in love, they're not going to be scary. Because it's going to have the truth of, of the Word involved in it as well. You know, I think, I think sometimes here, people can, they can be told something. I think sometimes uh, it, it happens even with preachers where they preach something to get people afraid. That's not a message of love. Perfect love casts out fear. The gospel isn't the message of fear, it's good news. Good news shouldn't make you afraid, right? The message of love we bring to the world shouldn't be something that makes them fearful. Now, there are things that I wouldn't want to have happen in my life. I don't want to die and go to hell one day, and I'll preach about that, but I'm always going to follow that up with, there is good news. You don't have to be afraid. That's the part of the message that has to come in along with the bad news that you don't have to be afraid love isn't going to produce fear love is always going to be for the benefit not to torment this is another way we can see kind of a difference between the love of God and the love of the world because I know in the world there's messages of people that say oh we care about you we love you but we're going to scare you I know there are things that are really easy to put on TV and watch where they say, we care about viewers like you, and then they scare you with all the stuff that's going on. It's not love. It's not good news. It's, it's not to build you up or benefit you in any way. It, it is to produce torment and fear. That's not love. They can say, someone could say, I care about you, I care about you, I care about you. But if it's producing fear and it doesn't line up with the rest of these things, it's not love. And it makes sense. We read the verse that said there is no love other than in Christ. This is just exposing it. Amen? It's good to see it. It's good to know it. Let's keep going this morning. I have, I have two more things that are different between God's love and, and the kind of love the world claims to have. The next thing that is, is unique or different about God's love is love and action. And this really goes along with the last point I was making. 1 John 3.18 My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's easy to say, I care about you, I love you, I support you, I'm for you. It's easy to say it, it's difficult to do it. True love is in deed and in truth. True love acts. This is what we see in Christ. God didn't just say, I love you. He gave His Son. It's real love really coming into the situation and doing something to change it. Real love gets involved. Amen. Amen. Real love gets involved. 
Real love wants to help change it, help make it different. And this is something that's different than what we would see in the world. I mean, it it does not take me more than a few minutes to get on Facebook or or some other social media thing and see all the people love you, care about you, praying for you, doing all this stuff. How many are actually acting on it? I don't know. I'm guessing not as many as are saying it. How many would, would step up and be present? Probably not as many. Definitely no one who doesn't know Christ. Not in this real way. Real love is in deed and in truth. Real love steps in and acts. It's different than the world's kind of love. And then the last point I want us to look at this morning, Romans 2 verse 11. I referenced this last week. There is no partiality with God. There is no partiality with God. Real love does not discriminate. Real love is not selective. Real love is not partial towards any people. Real love is present for all because that's the kind of love God has. That's the kind of love we find in Christ and that's the kind of love we're supposed to live in that it's not selective. It's not limited to the ones that show up and do stuff for me. It's not limited just to the people that I know really, really, really well or that I know love me back. Love is not partial. Love is present. God loved the world. It amazes me reading John 3.16 that he was not partial at all. He should have been. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I'm glad he's God and I'm not because if, if it was, and I'm not as good as God is, I would have been partial. You would have been partial. But because God's perfect, he was not. He loved the whole world without partiality before anything had been earned, before anything had been proven. Love was present. This is the kind of love we're supposed to live in. This is the kind of love we ought to be aware of. Amen. I want this to be the kind of love I live my life with. Not some cheap imitation that says the right things and looks the right way, but has no substance to it. Real love is substantial. Amen. Amen. I want to close with this thought. And I did not get through everything I was planning to preach today. I don't know if we'll do another another sermon on this or not, but I want to leave you with this thought today. The first moment of God's love is better than the peak of any other kind of love you'll find. I'll invite the worship team to come up at this time. The, the first moment in God's love is better than the best moment of love of any other kind. Because God's love is perfect, because all of these things that we've studied, the ways that it's different, it is so good. God's love is something that truly can change our life. The other kind of love just feels good for a little while. God's love is a changing kind of love. God's love is a powerful kind of love. God's love is a saving the world kind of love. And the very first moment in it is better than the best moment of any other kind. You know what's so incredible about the very first moment in God's love, and you guys can start playing. The first moment in God's love, you are immediately in total love. The first moment in God's love, He's already given and sacrificed everything that you need. It isn't something you have to work your way up in. God's love is not something that takes time to grow in. You come into the love of God and it is already as much as it will ever be for you. And that's not like bad news. That's a great thing. Because you're coming in at the highest level. You're not coming in with a long road ahead where I got to work my way up the the chain. I got to 
earn, I got to earn some rapport with God before he's going to love me all the way, before he's going to give to me all the way. Immediately when I step in to God's love, I am at the maximum amount. Totally loved, totally cared for, totally provided for. It's not a process of trying to grow in it. I just receive it. The only thing that hinders me from receiving anything in the love of God is my own understanding of it. The only reason I can't have every promise in the Word is because I haven't seen it yet. I haven't received it yet. It's not because He's holding it back. It's not because i gotta, I got to be a Christian for five more years before that promise is available to me. No, it is not. It's here and now. It's today. I come in at the maximum amount. The first moment in God's love is better than the best moment in any other kind. Amen. Would you praise God with me this morning as we thank Him for His love. We recognize how much better it is to live in the love of God than to live in some other kind of love. Amen. Let's pray this morning and then praise Him together. Father, we thank You for the love that You have for us, that it is not cheap, it is not surface deep only, Lord. It is so much greater, it is so much deeper, it is so much more substantial. God, it provides for us in a way no other kind of love can provide. It is present for us in a way that no other kind of love is present. And I thank You, Lord, that You do not withhold it from us. I thank you, God, that in the very first moment, before we even knew you, before we even heard your word or spoke a word or were born into this world, God, I thank you that before any of that happened, Jesus came and died. You gave your son as a sacrifice, as an action of love, before we could have ever earned it or even understood it. God, I thank you that your love is not dependent on us. That you love the world we know that because you love the world you love us we used to be part of that but we no longer are we've been redeemed by your action of love we've been made righteous by the blood and body of Jesus and because of that we are now in Christ we are now in the love of God you've wanted the world to have your love the whole time but it took the world stepping into christ in order to come into that love it was unavailable for so long but god we thank you it's available today i thank you that we can live in love and not a cheap kind not a false kind but your kind god the true kind the changing kind the powerful kind i thank you for love this morning lord Praise you, Lord. Would you pray this with me, church? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for acting in love before I could have earned it. Thank you for loving the world, for sending Jesus, and making me able to enter into a life of love. Good to be in His love. Amen. Amen. Let's praise Him this morning and you'll be this.